This podcast is supported by Doppelmeyer Garaventa Group, www.doppelmeyer.com. You know, one of the problems with these types of interactions is I think that I'm really, really funny, right? So I tell a joke and then you can't hear anybody laugh. So you're just sitting here in your bubble like, am I really not that funny? You have tuned into PodSam, the podcast channel of Sam Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. On this episode, we're checking in with mountain operations leaders from across the country as they share how they and their teams are doing after this past season and how to turn the challenges of the past year into plans and positive actions for summer operations and beyond. We are very lucky to have Paul Tallner with us today. Paul is the founder and CEO of High Peaks Group. You may recognize him from his facilitation of the SAM Summit Series and our Resilient Leadership Bootcamp. He is also a contributing writer for SAM and our sister publication, Adventure Park Insider. Paul has had a long career creating human-centric and high-performance workplaces. His clients have included the National Basketball Association, British Petroleum, and J Peak Resort, Vermont. He is also currently writing a book on organizational resilience. We've invited him here today to share his unique perspective on our industry. Paul, you recently wrote an article for Sam entitled Unfrozen, where you painted an interesting picture of our industry as it stands today. Can you summarize that for us? Unfrozen is really about seeing our situation in a different light. You know, on the one hand, we can focus on how miserable or challenging the last 18 months have been, and they have been. Uh, and that's kind of like a deficit thinking approach. But on the other hand, we can also think about what we learned and what worked over the last 18 months. And that is more of an abundance or strengths-based thinking approach. So, of course, we don't want to ignore the things that went wrong, but the human brain is so good at finding problems, we often forget that things have gone right. So in the article, I use the example from a research study on bowling. Uh, two groups of novice bowlers are videotaped learning how to bowl, uh, and both are given the exact same instruction. Uh, both groups are then given a videotape of their lessons to study overnight, uh, but for one group, their videotape has all the mistakes that they made, and for the other group, uh, their tape only has things that really went well. So when these two groups came back to the bowling alley to try again, both teams actually improved their scores. But the team that saw positive images of itself increased their score by double compared to the other team. So the industry is like that right now. We have a choice in how we want to look at ourselves. Uh, this is a rare moment when we're all unfrozen together that is, we've left a lot behind. Uh, uh, we've left behind a lot of the old ways of doing things, but we haven't yet collectively decided how the industry will be going forward. So the test will be to use what we've learned over the past 18 months to determine how we refreeze into an industry that we want and need for the future. Thanks, Paul. If you'd like to read the article, visit www.saminfo.com huddle. On this episode, we will be sharing one of our huddle conversations that took place in early May, checking in with mountain operations leaders across the country. This conversation was inspired by Logan Stewart, mountain manager of Timberline Lodge, Oregon. He sent an email to the SAM team where he said, 
Everybody needs a break from the routine. I'm noticing the regular burnout in the ski area, but with more weight. It's been pretty hard on most people for many different reasons. I've been thinking about it a lot lately and how to overcome this pending feeling of unease that everyone now has as their default setting. The pandemic will hopefully go away, but people are, quote, damaged from nonstop stress, and it will take ongoing care moving forward to get back to the good times. Paul, in the mountain resort industry, we do typically notice that burnout at the end of a long season, but this year is especially difficult. What would you say to leaders who are facing high levels of burnout on their teams? Um, Research from Gallup shows that burnout is actually highly affected by well-being and engagement. That is, if people are not engaged and not feeling like they have a sense of well-being at work, engagement does go down in organizations. And of course, engagement is highly related to uh, productivity and giving discretionary effort and really wanting to stick around for a long period of time. So uh, a question that I might ask uh, if you're in a group setting right now would be, how are people uh, feeling uh, from a sense of well-being? How are you personally feeling? Uh, and how do you, how would you assess the well-being of the organization right now? Are people feeling uh, stressed, burnout? How would you know? Uh, and what would you um, uh, ask them to, to help them feel a little bit more uh, able to share with you their levels of well-being? And then on the other side, their level of engagement, asking folks, you know, how do they, uh, you know, do they feel engaged at work? Do you personally feel engaged yourself uh, in the work that you're doing? And what can you do to uh, feel a little bit more connected to the organization, connected to the purpose, connected to the work that you're doing, and feeling a little bit more energized about uh, showing up every day? So together, by having those two conversations about well-being and uh, engagement, uh, that gives you lots of rich uh, data, but also really great opportunity to have conversations that... um, show that you care about your employees and are concerned about their well-being and want them to uh, take a restorative approach and, and avoid getting to the point where they feel burned out. Thanks, Paul. Now we'll turn to our huddle conversation, which was led by SAM publisher Olivia Rowan, along with co-hosts Earl Celine, NSAA's Director of Education, and Mike Lane, NSAA's Director of Technical Services. We'll start with Earl Celine and Dave Hunter, Vice President of Operations at Steamboat Colorado. Steamboat is really a destination area, whether that's drive to from the front range or other areas around or fly to. How, how is that dynamic where you're getting so many guests from different regions, potentially, possibly different uh, local regulations, things like that? What was the impact of that on, on your staff? Yeah, great question. And thanks for everyone's attendance. Um, Super important topic to kind of reset and look at. It it was a challenge. Uh, To Earl's point, you know, um, over 70% of our business is pure destination coming from, you know, all over the country with 15 direct flights into Steamboat. And so we really worked hard at starting right from the beginning. The um, The first transaction that occurs and the first communication that occurs with our guests. So Typically, that's either through our website or through our central reservation department. And so we really worked hard at providing the scripts and the, um, the specific information that our guests would need to educate them to prepare for their visit. And then we continue to reinforce that 
throughout each step of the process right up until they got on our physical property. Um, so, you know, that was also engaging with third party lodging companies to make sure that when folks were, were in transit from the airport to the resort, that they understood what to expect when they got to any one of the lodging properties or what was going on with city buses. Um, and then that was all reinforced with on-site signage plan, which was a um, very robust plan, probably more robust, I'm sure it was for everyone on the panel um, than you've ever seen before, just constantly reinforcing messages. And then, you know, kind of the last line of defense was, and, and one could argue the first line of defense when you're on site, was really focused on our staff from frontline all the way to senior management, continually A, setting the example and leading by example, and then having to continually reinforce that with, um, with staff to a certain extent, but mainly with our guests um, that are coming from areas that had very different regulations than what we were faced. You know, at one point during this pandemic last winter, Route County was, had one of the highest infection rates um, in the state of Colorado. That was very concerning for us. We now have the highest rate of vaccinations. So we've completely turned, turned that on its head um, in a positive way. Well, and Steamboat now is kind of at that hard transition, right? You've wrapped up the winter season. You're yeah. in what would have been normally called mud season um, and into summer looking at things starting to open up or increases in vaccination rates, how, how is that affecting your transition into summer and your operating plan in the summer? So we're focused on that now. One thing I think we've all learned through this pandemic is, you know, you need to adapt and be flexible. Um, so we continue to look at what the regulations are and really the communication is, is the most important. Communication internally and externally as to what what employees and guests can expect. And we really look at everything we do through three, um, three key filters, and that's employees, guests, and our community. And so how are changing regulations going to impact our, our employees? How will they impact our guests? And then how does that impact our community? That's really where we're at right now. Um, you know, regulations have certainly loosened up. That's a, a huge benefit to the community. Um, other than the Steamboat Grand, we don't really have, in, in some of our downtown shops, we really don't have a whole lot of business open right now, other than those two categories, but we'll ramp up and open up in mid-June for summer business. And the two key um, milestones we're waiting for is the, the governor will make some decisions in Colorado the first week in June around masks, and our county commissioners will make some decisions in the next 30 days as well. Right now, um, in our county, you can have, um, you can wear, you need to wear masks inside and you need to wear masks outside when you can't provide six feet of physical distancing. We're looking at that shoulder season, that mud season break between winter and summer. What, did you guys do anything relative to your staff to help them reset, if you will, or kind of uh, re-energize themselves? Anything you can share there? Yeah, we had a thematic goal, reset, refocus, and refresh. Um, and each one of those had some tactics underneath it that really focused in on what was most important. And that was everyone needed a break. The frontline staff really took the brunt of this on a day in and day out basis. And when I talked to Olivia about this in preparation for the panel, um, you know, it's one thing to look at it in its totality across the season, but literally at the end of every day, you could see it in their face. They were just tired. And I would tell you that probably the most anxiety right now with our staff that's in transition is, are we going to have to wear masks every single day or are we not? And we don't know the answer to that yet. 
Um, and so we're very transparent about that. And we've been transparent about that since the beginning with our communication plans. So we host monthly town halls, Rob Perlman, our, our chief operating officer and I, you know, over communicating with the staff and really focusing on the fact that, um, that you know, we don't have all the answers and we're gonna be transparent about that. And as we have answers, we'll provide them. Um, so I would say, Earl, our, our main focus has been really the refresh and refuel um, you know, take a break. Um, even if you can't go visit family, you know, we encourage everyone to get to get vaccinated. In the meantime, the vaccinations are out there and available. Um, so we believe that's the right thing to do. And, and get yourself reset to come back into the summer and, um, and get ready to, you know, host guests again and provide them the best experience possible. And what it looks like next winter is anyone's guess. Um, and I, I loved you had um, the term and I borrowed it is COVID keeper and you had um, that COVID keeper, which the mountain ops um, audience today would be interested about lift pods and workstations. Um, what did you do on that? Oh yeah. With lift maintenance. So again, like everyone, you had to, you know, rethink how you did things that, that used to just happen. And one of those things is, you know, with our lift maintenance team, um, they typically would do a daily debrief. Um, it would occur kind of organically in the break room. You know, how did it go with morning startup? Any lessons learned? Let's do a safety meeting. It was an opportunity for, you know, 25 to 27 lift mechanics to be in one space at one time. Um, obviously, with the COVID mitigations that we needed to operate under, that was not feasible. Um, so a great operational COVID keeper for Steamboat is we, um, we created stations throughout the mountain in different pods around the resort um, so that you would have lift maintenance personnel in one pod that had three or four lifts. And we provided, we worked with IT and got them set up with systems so that they could participate on Microsoft Teams from these pods. And we did a daily meeting and we're still continuing to do this meeting, even though we're not operating at two o'clock every day. We get everyone on the phone and we talk about downtime. We talk about, um, you know, any concerns they had or any issues they had the morning of and any lessons learned. So what caused this? How do we prevent it in the future? And um, at the same time, they were all able to stay at their workstations and, and deal with their pods of lifts in those areas. Um, so that was one from an operational standpoint. One that I don't think we would keep is, you know, I think we all experienced this, how we had to break up our snowmaking teams. You know, that made it very difficult um, to stay ahead of the game. We managed through it, but, um, you know, I think that that's an area that, um, you know, you need as much horsepower as you can get if you're not running an automated system. But the lift maintenance program was something that we'll continue to operate with that, you know, was just not intuitive to us prior to COVID. Great. Thanks so much, Dave. Those are great yeah. insights you shared. Paul, in listening to Dave, what are your thoughts? Uh, he talked a lot about uh, the three-point program for reset, refocus, and refresh, and really focusing in on those three areas of uh, ensuring that employees come back strong. And um, he also talked a little bit about some of the tactics underneath those uh, three areas. But if your organization doesn't yet have uh, the tactics fully mapped out for you know, a reset, a refocus, or a refresh, there's something you can do. Uh, you might want to just try to crowdsource the wisdom of your, of your employees by asking them some questions around each of these areas, you know, starting using the kind of how might we format for questions uh, and leaving some space for, for the group to brainstorm some ideas and pull, pull some thoughts together 
uh, you'll probably get some really interesting and unique perspectives. Obviously, you wouldn't necessarily be able to implement absolutely everything everyone suggests, but by asking folks what they think uh, the best ways to go about resetting, refocusing, and refreshing, you're sending a signal that you're listening to folks and they're, you're interested in what they have to say and that they're part of the organization and their voice matters. So even if you don't use everything they say, uh, you will be sending a strong message that uh, they are they're part of the team and, and that they're valued. So uh, if you haven't have if you don't have your tactics all laid out, that could be a good way to uh, quickly uh, gather some uh, some next steps as well as to build a little culture along the way. Thanks, Paul. Now we'll go back to Olivia Rowan and Lori Jones, Executive Director of Operations at Seven Springs, Hidden Valley, and Laurel Mountain, Pennsylvania. Um, Lori, you and I talked, and you said. Um, the, the biggest loss for you was was the in-person communications um, and certainly a theme from for everybody else here. Um, but it was one of the hardest challenges. And did you or your team um, learn anything about, um, you know, how you communicate or find any hidden strengths because you were forced to um, do away with, you know, bagels with the boss and employee cafeteria? Was, was there any gain from um, your communications or the way you dealt with your team? Yeah, thanks, Olivia. Um, appreciate being included. Um, so I think, you know, communication, we've heard several mention that already, how important that is with all of our teams. And, you know, I think you, you find new ways to communicate. And I think we've all, um, you know, talk about burnout. I think we're all on the Zoom burnout, you know, if we have to do another Zoom. Um, and, you know, initially it was an awesome tool for, for our staff. Um, you know, we do twice weekly operation meetings with, you know, 30 people in the room. We could no longer do that. So we were forced to go to Zoom. Um, and, it, you know, it, it was great. Now we're, you know, we're tired of that. So all of our staff, I think, are, are, are anxious to get back and have face-to-face -face communication. So we're just looking at ways, how can we do that better? Is it, you know, we meet outside, um, you know, we take one of our large conference rooms because conference business hasn't picked up yet for us and we can socially distance adequately. So we're using spaces like that where we can, you know, be together. Um, having email communications, our, our CEO has done regular email communications to all of our employees, even those that we had to furlough initially, just what's going on, what's happening. Um, one thing on the, on the communication piece though, just in the last month or so since we closed for skiing, we're really trying to change the trajectory of our messaging that, you know, every conversation we started out with COVID, pandemic, restriction, social distancing, and we're really trying to move away from that. And it's more positive. We're excited about summer. Um, you know, how, how can we get back together as a team focused on energizing our teams? And we think that's really an important message to communicate. The pandemic's still here. We're still, you know, feeling the effects of that, but let's not let that be the driver of every single conversation. Great. Um, and um, you mentioned the conference um, season and that you have this space. And, and I know that was after um, another round of furloughs for at the end of a tough season. Um, so I know that that was probably hard for you and the staff to have to face that again with no conference season in the normal spring timeframe. So how do you, you know, how are you keeping that conversation 
focused on the excitement to moving forward into the summer? I mean, when you, you have to go from a furlough announcement to, to that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still a challenge, you know, there's, you know, there's never the magic bullet of a message that makes everybody feel, feel comfortable and, and happy about being furloughed. Um, but we've, you know, really tried to minimize that as, as much as we can. Um, and, you know, again, just that constant communication back to them that, you know, April and May isn't busy as it normally would be, but, you know, June looks good as of right now, July looks good. So we're really kind of focusing forward. Um, and, you know, we do things like we just hosted a vaccination clinic mm -hmm. last Friday for our staff, you know, doing things like that, that we can get our staff back and in, encourage them with the vaccination, um, you know, message, because we know that in, in Pennsylvania, as soon as a certain percentage is vaccinated, the restrictions will be lifted. So we want to encourage our staff members to be vaccinated. So hosting the clinic was, you know, a good way to get them back to the mountain, at least for, you know, a few hours. And um, do you have a sense, is your local area, um, you know, as far as masks, is it still a little bit gray, you know, for your planning of events and conferences and weddings? Are you, are you still in this gray area, like Dave was mentioning, of wait and see? Yeah, so, you know, masks are, are um, not required outside. If you can social distance, they are still required inside. Um, you know, masks initially when we started the, the winter season, it was a huge challenge. Just our, you know, our guests didn't want to wear masks, our staff didn't want to wear masks and it was a constant enforcement issue. But I think as it became more commonplace, everybody just, you know, you kind of wear your mask and that's it. And, um, so I think we're all tired of the masks. I think those that work in, in groups together that have been vaccinated are feeling comfortable with not wearing masks because they've all been vaccinated. Communication has been so important as we navigated the uncertainty of the past year, and Lori really highlighted that. Paul, what is your advice in terms of communication as we look back and look forward? She did a great job talking about the overcommunication that the resort did with its employees during the pandemic. Uh, so much transparency and so much sharing uh, to make everyone who works there feel like they were um, part of the part of the program that they were um, that they're that, that they were worth communicating to and that it mattered uh, to share all this information. One thing that um, Gallup research has uh, shown is that after a crisis is over, organizations tend to dial back communication and transparency. So. My question to you, if you're listening to this in a group, would be how do you maintain high levels of communication and transparency during this period of transition? The, the confusion isn't over yet, and there's a, lot of you know, there's a lot of unanswered questions out there still, and things are still changing. So continuing to set uh, the expectation that communication and transparency is critical, uh, how might you do that? You know, what, what's really important? Are there areas to dial back communication? Are there other channels to improve or increase communication? So how might you uh, keep the communication flow going during this uh, important period of transition as well? Thanks, Paul. Now we're going to turn to Earl Celine and Rich McCoy, Director of Operations at Pico Mountain and Director of Summer Operations at Killington Mountain in Vermont. They're still skiing, so kudos to them. Uh, one of the 
the select few that are still out there, I'm jealous uh, with the spring season you've got. Uh, one of the pieces you mentioned as a COVID keeper uh, was that Killington was really embracing the four season resort um, kind of model. What, um, when it comes to staff, how has that changed either your approach to staffing or your support for staff? Uh, thank you, Earl. It's a great question. And we look forward to you coming up. We still have a couple of weeks left of skiing. So <laughs> he's on a plane and get up here. As far as staffing, as you've heard from a few of the other participants on the panel, it's been a challenge, no question about it. We've had a lot of COVID fatigue. Um, one of the things we try to do is really force people to take time off. You know, as you know, a lot of people in this industry feel like they're indispensable and want to be there all the time, not to miss out on anything. So it was tough to get them to take time off, especially going into this next season where, you know, many years we'll be golfing, mountain biking, and skiing on Memorial Day weekend. So May is a good time for us to try and get people out of here to get them to re-energize and refocus coming up on the new season. Uh, in another sense, we have staff that work primarily in the summer, a lot of our part-time and part-time seasonal people. So they've already gotten a break from their other job, whether it be down the road at another shop or in another industry, and then they come back here for the summer. So they usually get a little bit of time off before they start up into the mountain bike or adventure center business. So that's one thing we've been doing. And on the other end, we have some staff that in the past, we've kept them employed for 10 months of the year. And now we're looking to change that to make them full-time year round so that people can stay here year round and move from one season to the next without missing a beat and having that two months break where, you know, you're out of touch a little bit with the resort and with the industry. So now we're getting more of those people to stay on full-time year round as we're expanding our summer business. That's awesome. And as a four season resort, you never really let your foot up off the gas. Are there wins or successes out of the winter season or even last summer that are really key points for you going into this coming summer and forward? Well, just to talk a little bit about last summer that you brought up, you know, we were very busy last summer, even with the restrictions in place. You know, the Canadian border being closed, we weren't, we didn't see any of our Canadian visitors. A lot of the people from downstate, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, they, they did not travel up here. You know, we saw some, no question about that, but we didn't see as many as we thought we would. And yet our mountain bike visits were still comparable to 2019. So we feel, you know, a lot of that was season pass. We saw a lot more season pass business than day visitors just as we did this past winter, but we feel there's a lot of pent up demand out there. And when the borders start reopening and the governor and the states and the feds open up the restrictions, we'll see a very robust year. So I think you're gonna see it across the board. You know, in talking to our bike vendors, a lot of them are out of inventory on bikes. You know, we've, we're hoping to get the bike that we ordered for this season and we've already placed our orders for the 2022 bikes because like a lot of other industries, they can't keep the product in their warehouses. As soon as it comes in, it goes out. So 
we know the industry is growing and even before COVID it was, and now after COVID, I think you're gonna see it a lot more. Thank you. So uh, Rich, just one follow-up. So um, it sounds like you have a little bit of excitement <clears throat> building heading into the summer, which might help with staff kind of pulling out of the, the challenges of the winter and being a little bit excited for your borders being more open. You know, you had one of the most restrictive states. Um, yes. So, you know, last summer, I think, Dave Hunter said it was sort of, we didn't know what we didn't know. And, and you know, and what we had to, the protocols were pretty clear. Um, and especially so in Vermont, but this summer, do you have the same kind of very clear guidance or is, you know, as far as weddings and all that kind of stuff and events? Well, as you said, we were one of the stricter states out there last year and it, it worked very well for us, I think, as far as the spread of COVID in our state as well as our resort and area. But going forward, you know, we're waiting for more guidance from the state. Right now they're looking at July 4th to lift all of the restrictions for outdoor and indoor. Uh, we're still deciding on what we're gonna do here at the resort. And most likely we'll continue to have masks worn indoors, but outdoors we're hoping to release that and let people just go without masks. As far as our wedding and conference business, we're trying to book that now and just give them what our protocols are now and what we expect them to be, you know, at the time of their event. Hopefully the states will, you know, as long as everything goes the way it has been, they'll be able to lift these restrictions and we'll feel everyone will be more open and able to go out and recreate, attend these events, clinics, weddings as planned. But we're giving them the guidance now as to what it could possibly be and let them make the call. Right. Um, and it's Paul, hard to predict. Paul, what do you think of his moving the, the F-10s to the F-12s? Um, yeah. It's kind of an interesting idea and, and on its face sounds really promising for those folks who get to move up to 12 month full-time employment and things. But it also makes me wonder about this idea of people being, for those folks who are, are becoming 12 month full-time employees, are they exhausted or energized by the idea? Because I know a lot of folks are, are feeling some pressure and some fatigue over you know, the, the constant grind. So I'm just kind of curious how your idea is, is landing with those folks who are now 12 month folks. Uh, most of them are very excited you know, for one thing to, you know, be able to work year round and not have to worry about that two month gap. And also, you know, with all the restrictions that were in place and all the guidelines we had to follow, you know, it was exhausting for a lot of people, but they also saw the light at the end of the tunnel. And as we slowed down our business, as we said, we're still skiing, but only on a few trails. So our numbers of staff on board have gone down dramatically it gives them a chance to take some time off and we're encouraging them to take this time off in May before we get into the busy season. Like I said, we're bringing in other people that work just specifically in the summer and they're coming in fully energized because they can't wait for the season to get started. Paul, Rich brought up making some structural changes amongst his staff members. Where do you see the opportunities there coming out of the pandemic? Really interesting to hear his thoughts around um, transitioning uh, some employees from 10-month uh, seasonal employees to full-time 12-month employees and what the strategic 
thinking is behind that, um, certainly born out of necessity, but also seeing a business advantage for, for doing that. Um, and connecting that with the upcoming demand uh, or anticipated demand of uh, you know, return to travel and other guests coming that may have been um, waiting for the clearance to travel and visit um, creates a really interesting opportunity to think strategically about how to leverage your human resources to um, not only meet the demand that you're anticipating, but also create some opportunities for people to stick around and uh, double down on their career in the ski industry, uh, whether it's making them a 12-month employee or uh, giving them some new projects or other ways to uh, think strategically about how to uh, anticipate and, and meet the demand that may be coming. Uh, these are all ways you can uh, help uh, help send a signal to the employees that you've got that they are valued, that they matter, that their brain matters, and their their you know their ability to think forward into uh, some creative problem solving is going to be uh, is is something that you need and want uh, for of them and from them uh, in 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 your resort. Uh, so a question could be, you know, maybe you can't do 12-month employees for everybody, but what are some of the structural changes you can make internally in your organization to really create high levels of uh, enthusiasm and engagement from a business perspective? You know, we, we all, we, we've been talking a little bit about well-being and making people, um, you know, less stressed at work, but what about uh, generating excitement and enthusiasm uh, from a business perspective, uh, that could be something uh, that would be a really interesting conversation. What kind of information do you share? What kind of uh, forecasting do you want to let people know about? Uh, what kind of trends or patterns in the industry or the area or the economy do you want people to get excited about? And how can you use that uh, to create increasing levels of engagement of your employees? Thanks, Paul. We're now going to turn to Olivia Rowan and Alan Galbraith, Senior Director of Mountain Operations, North Star California Resort. So um, this was a tough season, um, but for you, they, there were reasons almost above and beyond COVID. And, and I'm wondering if you could share a little bit because um, your experience was um, different and, and if it can be possible more intense than perhaps uh, just the normal COVID intensity. Yeah, on top of COVID over the last nine months, we lost two of our full-time team members. One had been with us a shorter amount of time and one for a very long time. And um, we were lucky to be open last summer with our bike park and to personally grieve a loss like that while also as a team needing to, to come together. And, you know, bike park was an incredible warm up to the winter. And those types of tragedies bring a lot of clarity, just what matters and what doesn't. And, um, you know, it, for all of us who are in these situations, you know, where, where, where funerals weren't really allowed and, and being able to, to grieve as a group wasn't really possible um, until certainly this spring. Um, yeah, it definitely added another layer to the winter. And, and I think we all tried to, to, to take those silver linings where we could um, and, and lean on each other as a group and, and, and support each other through the winter. Yeah, and I had asked you in the conversation um, and, it, and in hindsight, yeah, it was kind of a, a dumb question, which was, you know, how, 
you know, how did you check in with staff during the season and see how they were doing? And, and you said, you know, you didn't need to because you knew you were all, you know, together in, in this gut punch um, and it, it, it didn't need to be said. And, and sometimes it was, it was a hug above all that, you know, was needed despite COVID. Yeah, definitely. Um, right off the bat, I took the initiative and it was a survival instinct of, I, I need to get some things off my plate. I need to not be involved in some of the COVID work. I need to to make space and time to just prioritize my team. And 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 I wasn't the only one at our resort that did that, of just just leaning into the group and and the, the time we needed to be together. And yeah, there was a moment I just looked at my patrol director and was like, I need a hug. If you need a hug, I'm good. And, and we just, you know, that personal connection at a time when you couldn't touch each other was just, just trumped above kind of everything else that was going on. And, and, um, and yeah, and we're still grieving those losses and, and we've welcomed the opportunity to remember those, those people um, in ways that are more traditional, but they're a part of, of what we'll always remember from the last season. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you talked about, um, you know, in a normal year, there's a cyclical nature to, you know, the, our business periods, you know, and there, there are breaks sort of worked in and, you know, um, and you all are kind of aware of that, you know, and it's without that, it's been basically, you know, a nonstop um, work environment for, for over a, a year. Um, and so how, how are you drawing, you know, personally and professionally, um, you know, where are you drawing to, to have the strength for, to, to manage the team um, and to have this constant, you know, without the breaks work environment? Yeah. And I feel bad saying this with a resort like Timberline on the line, because uh, yeah. they're still going. Um, but I think we do all enjoy when that moment comes, when the season closes. And, and obviously last season when we shut down, there wasn't the same sense of closure. There was just this sense of, oh my God, what's happening and who's going to be working. And, yeah. and so when we were fortunate to make it to our closing day this spring, that collective sigh of relief and just decompression, I, I was speaking with my director of lodging, my, my coworker and and that division has been very purposeful to have a project recharge. Three weeks, all standard meetings off the books. Um, and I checked in with my team and I said, hey, you guys, I certainly feel like, what do you feel like that we need a recovery period? We need to rest, we need to recharge, let all one-on-ones expire. And, and we chatted and said, we're gonna drop our normal communication to just one check-in during the week um, in May. Cause you know, our mountain is still living and people are still working. and there are still things happening, but this conscientious effort to do less and um, free up time for people to catch up, got a lot of training going on that may have had to be condensed or reimagined last year to just give everyone a chance to feel like they can um, take their weekend or their long weekend and get caught up on some training details that need to be covered and um, finish some projects that maybe have been lingering and, and just that reset of whatever our normal cadence of, of meetings or gatherings or all of that is, is was just really purposeful. And I feel like has been really beneficial to just reset this spring. And I liked, you had a couple of things that I thought were, were great um, sort of um, 
things to apply. And one was you said, you know, you, you come from being um, an athlete and you were sort of thinking that, you know, an athlete takes time to recover, to have an optimal performance. And you said, you know, that just really struck me as something that's needed here. Yeah. And I, I repeated it with my team of, we cannot perform this summer or next winter if we don't stop and take a break and recharge and right that recovery period that is so essential um, to every every professional athlete to recreational athlete um, that you you have to wind down and you have to give your body and your brain and and everything a chance to renew and um, and that's felt that's felt really good and it looks different for everyone and and um, but we've just made the space and made it a priority. Nice. And the yeah. final thing I, I thought was to stand out was, um, you know, your mantra of say no to saying yes to something more important. And then that you really leaned into this season. Yeah. And I think that's a theme within our company of just to not get bogged down by all the small things or, or you just, you to really truly prioritize on what is most important. And, and um, yeah, you know, big, big events can trigger those moments of clarity and, and just also exactly just conscientiously saying no, or saying, no, we're going to wait to the end of the season to try this. And sure there are areas we are, where we can improve and, and there are things that we can do, but really weighing that against how is the team and what can we handle and, and, and ensuring to keep that holistic perspective on our team. And it's a simple way, um, I think, to reiterate just what is truly the most important. And even right now, just saying no to, to some of our, our routines that, that may go back into place just to really prioritize downtime. Um, Earl or Mike, do you have um, any follow-up for Ellen? Yeah, I think Ellen, you said one thing that was really resonated with me is we can't lose sight of the ball. So what, what portion of that uh, is really so important? You said the word training. I think that's a break for employees. It gets them out of these pods or even a bigger pod of a corporation or of a local ski area and gives them an opportunity to do something for themselves. And, and the added benefit is, is it's doing something for the company as well. So I, I love that. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, chainsaws probably keep several of us up at night, but we have some really highly skilled employees and had success in, in other environments, you know, doing specialized training like that. And we went, Hey, let's put something together and let's, let's refresh these skills that we're going to be using this summer since we've had all this weight and everything else we've been carrying around with us. Let's uh, let's decompress. And then as we, as we start to ramp back up, let's, even if we're experts, let's refresh, let's refresh what we need to keep our eye on. So it feels good right now. We'll be right back for more after we thank our partner, Doppelmeyer. As the quality technology and market leader in ropeway engineering, Doppelmeyer Garaventa operates production plants as well as sales and service centers in 50 countries worldwide. To date, the group has built more than 15,000 installations for customers in 96 nations. Flexibility, know-how, and pioneering spirit make the group ideally equipped to meet all the challenges of traditional and new markets. Innovative transport systems from Doppelmeyer Garaventa continually set new standards. Top comfort and safety define installations in summer and winter tourism. With Doppelmeyer Garaventa, customers get top quality in modern design, user-friendly solutions, and optimum service. From the initial idea to the completed project and beyond. 
Learn more at www.doppelmeyer.com. We'll now turn to Olivia Rowan and Ken Gator, Vice President of Mountain Operations at Snowshoe Mountain, West Virginia. So you and I talked about, um, you know, for for the mountain ops um, teams, it was the lack of hum- human connection when you communicate. And that was a theme for Lori as well. But um, you mentioned that um, during the season, you were only able to do these quick sort of outdoor stand-up meetings and they were socially distanced and masked up and, and, um, you know, you missed the smiles, the occasional joke, the normal human interaction wasn't there to kind of break up that routine. Um, and that things became, um, this continual seriousness that we all, it was just serious for a long time. Um, and you know, it's not making light of, the importance of your jobs and the importance of what you do, but, but, you know, the breakup and the humor and the lightness of human interaction does as we've all felt in this past year help. Um, so, um, how, how did you, you know, how have you, are you starting to come around where that's letting itself in more or, you know, what, what are you doing at the end of the season to try and get people out of this routine of the, the seriousness and the, um, you know, all business. It's, it's tough. Um, I wish I had great answers. I think, you know, in-person meetings now are much more able to be had where people aren't shivering or chattering in the rain where we can go outside. And I love having meetings outside. So that was fine. That was kind of a natural for me. We did that before. Um, And I think that that along with you know, one of the problems with these types of interactions is I think that I'm really, really funny, right? So I tell a joke and then you can't hear anybody laugh. So you're just sitting here in your bubble like, am I really not that funny? Because that's a possibility, you know what I mean? And so, no, it's that's, that makes it hard. And I, I want to be able to have that lightheartedness back. And I think it'll come. I think we're doing really well with vaccinations. So that's a big help. Couple points that were brought up that I think you know are worth reiterating. I mean, we had a, a grief counselor come and kind of talk to us at Altera. Obviously, they didn't come in person, but they described this whole sensation as kind of going through the stages of grief, which is really kind of what it is. And you know, in spite of what what has happened in specific situations, really we're all there. The whole entire world is kind of going through this cycle of grief. So if you kind of understand those stages and if you can a little bit identify with where you are in that process, just like when someone close with you passes, you're able to um, kind of relate to other human beings. And I think that those little connections, whether they're in person or not, where you kind of understand, you know, I, I feel like I understand at least a little bit of what Ellen and her team were going through, right? I, I kind of get it a little bit. And those those um, remote connections are, are really big. And I think our team has done well with that. The honest truth of it, though, I mean, it was a slog. It still kind of is. And there's a, several things that I could look back on and wish I'd done better. Um, more just phone calls, like real phone calls where I just called somebody and was like, Hey, are you okay? You know, or what can I do to help you? I feel like I really 
I, I made it a point not to go around to my different teams because I didn't want to be like the super spreader. And, you know, I, I had that responsibility and a lot of us did, but there were other ways. And I, I feel like I left some things on the table that now I understand a little better. And I hope I can employ a little bit in the next month or two as we get going here. But we were so busy. Um, we were at you know, last summer and this past winter, we're at about 150% of like our budgeted visits. So it was at the same time that you're trying to figure out how to drive the car. You've got 40 clowns stacked in this car, you know, and it was, it was a real difficult process and it took some time off of all of us. I mean, besides just the regular months, it was tough. And I think, you know, having that, that in common with your fellow man and we know it's all across the world this isn't like a a colorado thing or even an america thing it's it's a human being thing so having those types of um, realizations and being able to vocalize that a little bit with your team i think helps put it in perspective just so just a little bit that you know we're all so consumed with what's right here that Sometimes just having somebody talk about what's going on over there or anywhere else is, is a nice little treat. So um, another thing that I concur with completely was talking about stuff other than COVID, right? So I like to start off all of my meetings with safety. So the first thing you do is start talking about COVID. And it's like, tried to make a real point to say, we need to talk about other safety because there's a lot of ways to get hurt or killed, you know? So let's continue to talk about those things that were important last year that for whatever reason, don't come up anymore. Like, you know, backup alarms or whatever it is, you know, the things that have become passe because you're now dealing with this behemoth. So I think that was a good way to kind of redirect conversations and try to say, yeah, we know that's really important. And then also, you know, one, another thing that Ellen said is talking about that hug, right? Like that was really hard to do, not hug your mother for a year, right? My mother hated that. And if I had that to do over again, I'm not sure, you know, I might've done it different. I had to play it safe, but you look back and you go, what was that impact of that? Was it worth it? You know, is the risk worth the reward kind of deal? And so I think those are important lessons. And I think that really looking at how I can focus on myself and that, you know, we're always as leaders talking about how to keep our team going. Well, <laughs> we need to kind of get some of this thumbs going on and looking right at inward and saying that, if we don't do what we're asking our people to do first, then we're not being good leaders. And it's easy to just entrench yourself in caring about other people. But if you don't take the care that you're asking people to take care of that for themselves, what message are you truly sending? So I've been really focused on that in the off season. Like, what do I need to make this work? what things are going to come off my plate to help grow my other people and how am I going to, you know, be ready, you know, for opening day, which is like, a, it's like nine days from now. So. And it reminds me of 
you know, when you're on the airplanes and they tell the parent to put on the oxygen mask before the kid. And so maybe that's that's a little bit of what what's going on here. Paul, after listening to Gator, what are your thoughts as we look ahead? When it comes to uh, being a great leader in an organization that is experiencing tremendous uh, pressures from the outside world, such as a pandemic or other forces, um, it's really important to understand what your people's hopes and dreams are. And McKinsey actually did a really interesting study about what people's hopes and dreams and hopes and fears are related to um, the future uh, after after the pandemic. So their hopes for the future, their top four here, um, they employees want, uh, number one, first and foremost, a better work-life balance. Uh, you know, we haven't quite dialed in exactly uh, how to provide that for our folks, but I think asking and understanding their needs and and um, uh, home slash personal realities is going to enable you to provide the best possible work-life balance experience for your employees, obviously given the fact that they uh, more than likely do need to come to your resort to do their job, uh, but being able to um, uh, accommodate to the best of your ability what, what they need personally is going to set you apart as an employer. Second thing is Better flexibility for day-to-day work is what people are uh, hoping for in the future of work as well. Um, I think for some that could be more remote time, that could be flex time, that could be a lot of different uh, opportunities and opportunities to help people uh, find what flexibility means for them and for you in, in your unique resort environment. Number three is positive implications for compensation. I think you know everybody uh, you know historically uh, has uh, requested or desired more money at work, but I think some of the hopes for the future are that people will be more rewarded for the contributions that they make rather than for sitting uh, and and putting in hours and things like that. So there's a good conversation to be had there. And then the fourth thing that McKinsey discovered in terms of hopes for the future is an increased focus on employee well-being. That's certainly uh, pretty clear from uh, the conversations on the Sam Huddle. Folks are already doing that. Uh, and I think just uh, not taking your eye off the ball, making sure that you are staying focused on their uh, on employees' well-being uh, over, the, over this period of transition and beyond is going to be critical because that's going to be uh, an expectation that sticks around for quite some time. Thanks, Paul. Now we'll get back to Olivia Rowan and Mike Lane, Director of Technical Services at NSAA. Mike Lane, um, you had mentioned before, and because one of our panels had said it, that you know training and education is such a key piece of moving the conversation to something other than COVID. And um, NSA's been doing a great job, RMLA, last week. They've got a healthy schedule of um, LMS things going on over the summer. Um, Tell us a little bit about what's coming up and because that, that is a, a, a really good way to keep folks moving forward instead of moving on. Thanks, Olivia. And you're exactly right. I mean, thanks to the panelists. Great conversations and things they've taken. I've written a half a page of notes here. Um, <clears throat> Alan talked about what matters coming together. Um, every spring, we'd have send all our people off to refresh and recharge by going to education. 
some events held somewhere. And I can't imagine any of us wishing to be on a Zoom webinar for 16 different webinars last week, but that's an opportunity for you guys to give your folks a little bit of a perk, a little bit of a treat. Take the time off, go get educated, gain some growth, network with other people, see somebody outside your little pod or your big pod. It's a wonderful opportunity for them to grow. And, and all your people are gonna be very thankful of that. And, and we've got a lot coming up. Uh, last week we had RMOA, but all you can still register for, register for RMOA and watch all 16 of those webinars on their own pace just by registering. They're all recorded and all the documentation is there, the PowerPoints and all that. Um, starting about May 18th is the LMS uh, summer virtual learning series. And that's gonna be roughly 10 webinars on Tuesdays throughout the summer. On Wednesdays throughout the summer is gonna be the Save Me stuff. So the Skier, Skier Vehicle Maintenance Institute. So there's tons of opportunities to give those people a little bit of a break. They can watch these things either live or in a recording. Um, and, and we need to keep our eye on the ball. And what's the ball? There's some end goal, right? And that's next season coming around the corner, whether it's summer or winter. Um, and our people would love to have the opportunity to have that uh, camaraderie. We can't do it in person, but we can definitely do it in a webinar. Uh, the networking, the growth, staying connected, Rich McCoy, staying connected to the industry outside your ski area or your area you're at. They're going to see people that they haven't seen in a long time. And we're not going to do it live until this fall, but I, I just can't encourage you enough to say they're going to learn a ton. To learn more about NSAA's training opportunities, visit www.nsaa.org. Paul, can you summarize a few key takeaways from the conversation for our listeners? Yeah, I, I don't know whether I can do justice to all the great comments, but I did capture a couple of notes that might be useful to folks. Um, one is that uh, there are five quick things here. One is people are operations. So, you know, thinking of in terms of your operations as being only as strong as your most vulnerable employee is one way to frame how you can care for them to ensure that you've got a great team and uh, great operations and, and, and strong folks going forward. The, number two is um, the idea of burnout being on a continuum where, you know, the World Health Organization limits burnout to workplace related stress. But I think we all know that burnout is something that um, we experience in all aspects of our life. And I think um, it's all additive. So we all have this chronic stress building up in us or have for a long time and just being really um, committed to acknowledging all of it, not just the workplace uh, burnout, but all of the other forces that are acting on us as well is really important too. Just uh, And then the third is words create worlds. Um, this is based on what Laurie was saying. How you communicate really does de determine the direction of travel. So like, you know, some folks, if, if it's all COVID all the time, that's where your mind's going to be. And you kind of don't think about other things as well or as, as frequently. So mixing it up or giving folks other things to think about or ask questions about does uh, help you uh, move in a different direction, potentially. Fourth is um, psychological safety does help people recover from difficult situations and grow and to keep learning. So I was... Uh, 
thinking about Ellen's comments about the the work that you've been doing to really create an environment where people can uh, talk about the challenges that they're facing, personal and professional, in that work environment. I think that that only happens when there is psychological safety. People feel comfortable and they feel like they trust the the people they're around. That's that's a, a very key um, idea and aspect to um, solid, coherent, and cohesive teams. And then the last thing is. Um, really drawing a distinction between moving forward versus moving on. So I think we're at a point now where people wanna move on from COVID, uh, but um, we really can't pretend that that didn't happen <laughs> and that we aren't still carrying a lot of stuff uh, into the new normal. I'm, I'm really worried that we're gonna start, start forgetting that everybody's gone through this and we're gonna just uh, kind of encourage each other to move on and forget about it as opposed to move forward with it and carry it with us and use those lessons uh, to create better teams, better organizations, and a better industries. Thank you so much, Paul, for being with us here today. As we move forward, we can't forget to look back at what we've learned. We want to thank our partner, Doppelmeyer, for their support of this conversation. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and share it with others on your team who you think could benefit from listening into this conversation. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Pod Sam Advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Wintry Mix Podcast Guy. I am Sarah Bordeaf, and thank you for listening to Pod Sam. <laughs>